0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And before we start, I want to say thank you to Austin Underground. They are our new sponsor every Thursday right here on this live stream. So thank them. And uh, guys, I know we normally open up with some Texas stuff, but I want to talk about Kansas for a second. Bobby, you and I were talking before the show. They may have an injury that could impact their starting lineup.
1: Man, what was that sound going on back there? Y'all hear that sound? The, the, uh, the uh, uh, countdown sound sounded like it was still going. Uh, look, uh, Longhorns getting ready for KU. Uh, the, uh, the Texas team uh, apparently fully healthy, uh, Blake and Jerry. Uh, KU right now uh, fighting one injury of note, and that's the right guard, Mike Ford, Uh, We're waiting to see if he's going to practice. Did not practice Monday, but that's the latest we have uh, for them. Otherwise, the Jayhawks expected to be healthy as well. Uh, Also want to say thank you to our newest sponsor, Austin Underground. Uh, We dig Austin. Uh, Rick Vavro and his team, uh, the newest sponsor of coffee and football on Thursday
0: mornings. All right, guys. Well, Jerry, let's talk about recruiting. I know you posted oh, yeah. a visitor's list yesterday. I'm going to let you talk about that for a second before we really get into it. Yeah, Justin Walls and I posted that visitor's list yesterday. It's going to grow. I mean,
2: today's Thursday. I'm sure there will be a few more names added. Um, some kids will be at TCU this weekend. TCU's been playing in that. OU's been playing in that one. Um, so there, the kids will be dispersed around the um, – uh, around the state and in the region a little bit. Next week, Texas OU. I mean, we already getting some names of guys that are going to be at that one. Kobe Sellers will be at Texas OU. A um, couple other guys have already said yes. Uh, Kane Bowen out of Sherman, linebacker athlete, have already said they're going to be at Texas OU. Those kids have already been at Texas games. But for Texas Saturday, DeCorian and Moore uh, added yesterday. Zion Williams, D-lineman from Lufkin, the top D-lineman, interior D-lineman in the state of Texas from Lufkin will be there. Uh, Saturday. DeAndre Carter, obviously, Texas spoke with DeAndre. uh, From what I heard, Sarkeesian flood. Some of the offensive staff spoke with DeAndre Carter and his family last night. Carter tweeted he's visiting this weekend, so no change there. Visit is on this weekend. Uh, I think there's going to be a number of uh, talented 2025s come through Jabari Antoine, uh, defensive back out of Westgate, New Iberia, teammate of Derek Williams the last couple of years. We'll be back for his second game this season already um, in Austin. Um, and then, you know, you look, a lot of the committed guys, you know, a lot of the committed guys, Kobe Black's a maybe for Saturday. We'll see what happens there. Uh, we think Colin Simmons will come in. I mean, if DeCorey and Moore and Alex January coming in, it's Duncanville's off week. We'll be surprised if Colin doesn't come in. But as usual, Colin lets people know when Colin wants to let people know. <laughs> so, And I actually like that. It's fun. Um so but yeah the uh, the uh, visitors list is growing. Um so we'll see. I mean Jordan Johnson or Bell obviously will be there. IMG not playing a game. Jarrett Gibson told me he will not be there this weekend. Uh Texas OU is a possibility there. Um we'll see that a lot of that depends on, you know, IMG and the travel schedule on Saturday. I think a lot of kids want to go to Texas OU. And I think that's interesting to see how many kids show up at Texas OU. All right. Well, let's go ahead. uh, I need to mention, I do think there's going to be a couple of kids show up that nobody knows right now.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting. All right, guys, let's talk about the Big 12 for a minute. The uh, slate of games, of course, starts tonight for college football. And we have Big 12 action tomorrow with Cincinnati and BYU uh, tomorrow night at 915. Talk about a late game, uh, Central Time, of course. But... Some interesting matchups, matchups across the Big 12 this weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You start with that, that game on Friday night. Uh, a couple of the games catch my eye besides the Cincinnati-BYU tilt on Friday night. Obviously, Texas and Kansas is the marquee game in the conference uh, this week. Both teams undefeated and ranked. Uh, but here's a couple to keep an eye on. It's a, it's a game that that Dana Holgerson huh. probably needs to win to keep his job. May Even if he wins, he may not keep his job. It's also a game that Joey McGuire and Texas Tech need to win to keep his job uh, security uh, a little bit tighter, uh, because the natives are restless in Lubbock. Houston and uh, the Cougars go to Texas Tech. Uh, say, the start time same as Texas Kansas on Saturday. Uh, Cougars are two and two, not real impressive thus far. Texas Tech one and three, and. Now, onto their backup quarterback. And I'll add this completely unimpressive. uh, Hey, this time, Bobby, you know what's interesting about
2: that game? Donovan Smith has a chance to beat his former team in Lubbock.
1: Well, we'll see. I mean, I I mean, that would be hilarious. That would kind of be funny. I watched the Texas Tech West Virginia game uh, yesterday, Jerry, just to get a feel uh, or the day before. I can't remember to to get a feel for. what really went wrong for Texas tech in that game. And here's what went wrong. West Virginia beat them. Yeah. Physically. Yeah. West Virginia didn't do much in the passing game. They just ran the ball, used a little QB run game to keep them off, off schedule. Tech looked really bad, particularly in the red zone. Um, They couldn't really protect the quarterback there. Other than Taj Brooks, the running back out of Maynard, they they didn't really have much. So their offense is in disarray, in my opinion. Their defense is okay. Um, but let me let me say this: other than Houston and Texas Tech, two other games that I, I think are worth watching, Iowa State and Oklahoma. Uh the the Cyclones actually have a decent decent defense again this year. They just don't have much on offense. Uh, that game is in Norman. OU should route them. That game starts at six o'clock. Of course, Texas's next opponent, by the way, the Sooners. Of course, and then seven o'clock on Saturday night, um, West Virginia goes to TCU. Surprisingly, both teams three and one. I didn't expect that from the Mountaineers this year, Jerry. No, uh, that's another one. Another big one, though. And you know, let's see what Dave Aranda's comeback is to this. Uh, Baylor goes to Central Florida uh, on Saturday at two thirty as well. That could be. That could be an ugly game for Baylor. It's their first trip away from Waco all year.
2: Yeah, uh, I'll say this, nationally a couple of games have my attention too. Notre Dame at Duke. Oh, interesting. Duke, Duke already beat Clemson at home, and now Duke's going to try to say, "All right, Notre Dame, you get you're going we're going to beat you at home too, but that, that Ohio State loss is going to beat you twice." I think that's going to be a very interesting game. I mean, when's the last time Duke fans were this were more excited for a football weekend than basketball visit weekend? <laughs> they're not.
0: Oh, you but, don't think
2: so. No, it's like, they're
1: like they're it's like, like the academic bowl for them, Bobby. <laughs> they're not. They're not more excited if they have the number one, two, three, and four basketball recruits coming in like they usually do, they'll they'll be more excited <laughs> for the basketball. <laughs> they'll cheer those guys in the stands much louder than if a win over yeah. Notre Dame. And you don't blame them. I mean no, so, I do You
2: know
3: I've, been to a game I don't at, know,
2: I've been to a game at Cameron, it's one of the highlights of my sports life. Um, LSU at Ole Miss also has my attention because um kind of a big game for LSU. Realistically, in the SEC West, right? I mean that that's a, that's a that that's a big game for LSU and a big game for Ole Miss coming off the loss at Alabama. So uh, that that one has my attention nationally as well. Other than that, nationally, not a big slate of games. Obviously, a lot of eyes will be on USC at Colorado, um, but you know, outside of that, it's not a big slate of games nationally this weekend. I mean, you know, a big game. Hey, big game in recruiting though for momentum. Florida's at Kentucky you know Texas and Florida going they're battling on some guys Florida at Kentucky you know they won it they beat Tennessee so that got Napier off the all negative talk you know then they go up there and beat Kentucky then Florida fans will start to get excited they lose to Kentucky then he'll be right back where he started before the Tennessee game I got I got to read this one
1: from UT Mark M <laughs> It's busy in, in Lubbock they're mm-hmm. re, rerouting all the roads to go around instead of through in the Big Twelve, Joey Maguire. <laughs> it's fun. I mean, look, comments come home to roost, right? That's that's the reality of life. Uh, and catching everything on camera, I have no. I actually have no problem with him firing up his team like he did last exactly. year. A big win. I, I don't have. A, but I think it's funny how things like that get memorialized. And brought back up and say, hey, you may be careful what you wish for, because right now it it most certainly doesn't go through Lubbock, the Big 12. (laughs) It's going to it's going to go through. I don't know where it's going to go. It's probably not going to go through. It may go through TCU. That's the only Big 12 team right now that will be remaining from the state of Texas that I think is uh, very good. uh, That looks like they'll be good next year, too. Right. Um, I'm not sure. Tech, Baylor. Or Houston right now have a path to be looking good next year at this time. Right.
0: So it could be a it could be a while for Joey and in Lubbock. All right, y'all. Well, hey, you were talking about the uh, Ole Miss game, and I saw this comment, so I want to get y'all's opinion on it. It's from Aaron. He says, "Does Lane Kiffin seem a little overrated to you guys?"
2: Well, I think Lane. I think Lane's solid because he is a good play caller. Here's what I would say about um, Ole Miss. I've only seen Ole Miss be good twice in my adult lifetime. Eli Manning, and then they got on probation.
1: With with Hugh Freeze.
2: With Hugh Freeze.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean,
2: I, it's a tough job. It, I mean, there's a pecking order of how good you can be in the SEC, and Ole Miss is in the bottom half.
1: Well, you're sandwiched by LSU and Alabama. Yeah. Let, let's, let's just be clear, and those guys are going to get – most of the time, those guys are going to get first picks of guys from your home state. I mean, um,
2: if you look at just in the SEC West, where would you rank the Ole Miss program? Because this is all going to be talk for us in a few months, right? Where would you rank the Ole Miss program in the SEC West? Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Texas A and M, then Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. Arkansas, Mississippi State. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that's just the reality, right? And then you go to the East. Florida better job, Tennessee better job. Georgia I, I, would,
1: I Georgia, I would argue South Carolina is a better job. I don't know about that. I it, it's a be, they certainly have more fans. So I want to say that. I don't know that South Carolina is a great job unfortunately for yeah. those guys. They have a better um, recruiting geography. Yeah, just they they're 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 really um surrounded by too many. It's almost like they have too many teams in North Carolina that feed off of some guys. Hey, um I want to mention this uh, as well. Uh the the Longhorns right now uh are sitting in a position right where the next 10 days, Jerry and Blake, I think will really decide what this program looks like for the next six, 2 to 3 months. Texas somehow beats Kansas, somehow beats uh Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. They win. Texas is 6 and 0 facing a bye week, Jerry. Yep. Texas hasn't been that that to that level since 2009. That is rarefied air. I, I don't care, you know, even in the aughts, Texas wasn't 6-0 and very often uh, because they always would lose to, uh, to OU or something midseason. Yep. Texas gets past Kansas and Oklahoma these next two weeks. I mean, Texas fans, oh, well, we're back and all that other stuff. You're not just back. You're in the middle of it. I mean, think of it that it's not. Well, and that that is that is um, even for me, I will say this. That would be surprising. um, Right now, Um, so not that I couldn't you couldn't foresee it if they got past Alabama early in the year, but still surprising and rare and something you guys need to need to uh, really we all need to really think about. Well, and you never you never want to get
2: ahead of yourself, but here's the reality, because we're not the players, right? We don't have to prepare every week, so all those arguments just throw them out the window, one game at a time, blah, blah, blah. Um, we're not players, we're coaches. Um, <clears throat> but uh, if, if Texas wins the next two games, the toughest half of the schedule is behind them. Now, the pressure gets amped up, because <laughs> then the expectations suddenly go up, but the reality is the first six games are tougher than the last six games. The way the schedule and these teams are shaking out this year, and that's the one thing we know for sure, is that if you know if you have Alabama, Kansas, and OU, if you're six and zero after that, those first six, then you're in a really good spot. It's hard to see you not going eleven and one
1: at worst. I, I will say this, Jerry, to add to that, um, uh, this is a Texas has been uh, tested very little on defense at this point, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The offense has been tested a lot at Alabama, in my opinion. Correct. Okay. They've even been tested with a little bit with Baylor because Baylor is an aggressive defense. They have some guys up front. They're not great. I'm not trying to say that they're the next coming or anything like that. But that actually was a little test where they outperformed expectations, in my opinion. The issue – that we see now is Texas is gonna to have to play maybe the two, two of the three most balanced teams left on their schedule, Kansas and Um OU are somewhat balanced, both led by their offenses. The only other team that's kind of balanced like that in the in the league right now is uh is Kansas State. Yep. And and TCU, I guess. You can put them in there too, because they have talent. Yep. So those in Texas plays all four of them. Those are the ones that are going to be interesting. Uh so this is definitely a big matchup for the Longhorns. Longhorns still favored by 16 and a half uh, over the Jayhawks. I think that's in uh something that that I I have talked to multiple people about this. I still think that's a high number. Um I think they're discounting Kansas a little bit, but you know, they may be uh, seeing in, in what Texas has done over the last uh really 11 uh 12 weeks, I guess. Or, 14 games right now, Texas is 11 and three in the last 14 games, Jerry and Blake. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. And I,
2: yeah, absolutely. Uh, 11 and three in the last 14. I can see that line. I'm not sitting here saying that's going to be my prediction for the game. I can see the line again. Somebody just put up that, uh, uh, you know, how, how, what is Kansas really like defensively? I don't think we really know. Um, they haven't really been tested at all. Um, But, uh, and and their non conference schedules ranked around 95 in the country. So, and I would say this I think Texas going in and dominating Baylor and Waco, even though Baylor's not a good team right now, Utah did not. Utah had to go to the fourth quarter to win that game. I think that kind of said, oof. Um, um, Kansas drink the schedule I think is why they're not moving the line I agree and I think Baylor just going in and domi- Texas going in and dominating Baylor when Utah ranked 12 in the country could not is significant
1: in that realm Hey I, I gotta say this one because I I've actually John Brown of Har- I don't know if you guys know the uh, Civil War story of John Brown but Harper's Ferry West Virginia I never thought we'd see somebody on the Longhorn uh, channel here uh, coffee and football from Har- West Virginia, Harper's Ferry. Steve Roberts, nice to see you, bud. <laughs> I bring up hey, Jolie Freehold's question
2: there
0: at 825. Because I've yeah, got to 9-3. What's a better scenario for the college football playoff? Lose the OU in the Red River Robbery? No. And That's not the baseball. scenario.
2: The scenario is to beat Texas in the Red River game. If you lose, it's at TCU, and you come back and beat OU again in the Big 12 title game, and you knock them out of the playoff. That's your scenario.
0: Yeah, I – Beat them
2: twice, lose somebody else, and beat them
1: both times when it counts and knock them out. That's your scenario. I love it, Jerry. Jerry's ready to go, ready to roll on this stuff, man. Hey, guys, we're gonna have uh, Brian Irwin coming in. Before we do that, uh, Blake, do you mind telling us about one of our sponsors for today, Prize Picks?
0: Not at all. I do need to tell you all about Prize Picks here. And Prize Picks is a skill-based real money daily fantasy sports game. You pick two to six players, and if they'll go more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You aren't competing against other people, it's just you versus the projections available instead of battling thousands of other players. It's really simple to play, it takes no time, uh, which is definitely helpful to somebody like me who's always on the go. I can make my picks, submit my entry in less than 60 seconds, and it adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. You can watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick withdrawals. This weekend, I'll be taking Bijan Robinson to rush for more than 62 yards and Justin Fields <laughs> to rush for less than 59. I, because, I think that's a safe bet there, Judge. Yeah. Justin. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like Bijan's due after last week, so I, I feel a little more comfortable with this one. <laughs> but go to prizepix.com slash Texas. Use promo code on Texas. You'll get a first deposit match of up to $100 and PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you watch, including college football. It adds a ton of excitement to the experience, like I said, and that's why I love it. Again, prizepix.com slash OnTexas, promo code OnTexas, you'll get that first deposit match of up to $100. That's Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. So I wanna thank them for sponsoring. And now then, I'm gonna bring in Coach Brian Irwin, guys. Coach Irwin, how you doing today? Good
3: morning, Good morning guys. I got my shirt it. on again, man. You got my yeah. shirt on. Hey, Jerry's game day in Crawford America now. It's it's Thursday. <laughs> I got an eighth grade game at 5 30, got a JV game at eight. So I've got three <laughs> nephews playing tonight.
2: Hey, before we get hey, I, I had to bring up something for coach here. Before we get to this this little Kansas, Texas game. Lamarck scores this year. They lost a the ball fifty-eight-six. They lost to the Hitchcock fifty-five-nothing. They lost to the Belleville fifty-nine-nothing. They need you to put that Lamarck shirt back on again and come back to town, man. Things are not going well. All the players are
3: in Dickinson. Not, not good. Uh, yeah, a lot of players went to Dickinson, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm just—it's sad to, to see what's happened, and, and uh, a lot of the tradition is just dissipated. It's—it's—it's it's, it's pretty sad to see what's happened down there.
2: If coach had lost 55 nothing to Hitchcock, he'd have been on, on Texas football very early.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have uh, gone home that night. I, my <laughs> wife would have kicked me out of the house.
1: A lot of people don't remember. I mean, you You weren't the only good head coach down at, at Lamar. Uh, mm-hmm. Alan Waddell uh, was one of the guys that preceded you, was a tremendous coach, uh, a Longhorn grad. I think he was on the national championship team uh, for Texas as well. Uh, speaking with Coach Brian Irwin, two-time state championship coach of the Lamarck Cougars, now in private business. And he joins us each and every Monday for lunch with the coach. Also comes in and joins us on coffee and football as well. Uh, coach, uh, when you and I talked on Monday, one of the things we talked about was you believing that Texas on defense needed to not get too excited about all the different things they'll see from the uh, Kansas offense and just play their just play their role and do what they need to do. Is that still what you're thinking on Thursday?
3: Yes. Uh, Just, just play hard, you know, play hard. The the guys, you know, by the end of the day today, you know, the haze in the bar. I mean, at the end of the day on Thursday, 99% of the physical work's been done from, from here on out after today's practice, it's all mental, but uh, just, just do your job, play hard, play like your butts on fire. We just, we got to play fast physical and uh, you know carry our assignment just just get after the butts
1: you look at this game and and Kansas has a powerful offense and a quick strike offense uh Texas is a little different not that they don't have a quick strike offense it's just they have that defense that is kind of stymied people all year um going into this game how does how do you think Texas really matches up with Kansas from that standpoint and how do you see this game going?
3: I think we match up really well when you can own the line of scrimmage you match up and and we should own the line of scrimmage and that's where it's got to start um and and then you know the the linebacker level secondary level's got to do their part as well but when you when you can dominate the line of scrimmage especially the defensive front play the amount of guys that we can play play fast I, I'm going back to that play hard play fast we we got to play extremely hard, extremely fast, play like our butts on fire and and the rest is going to take care of itself.
1: You looking for Texas to get off to a quick start, what Kansas to a quick start? How how do you see this one?
3: I'm looking for Texas uh you know, besides playing hard, I've, I've emphasized already. I, I mean, we got to play extremely hard, but what I'm I'm really looking for, we have to play great at home period. Yes. We haven't played great at home. We got to dominate this freaking football game from start to finish. Yes, Bobby, we got to start fast. Uh, is, is it imperative? No. Is it imperative to win the game? No, we need to. We need to start fast. We need to be dominant early on. We need to get after their butt, set the tone. And I'm telling you when OU turns that film on, on Sunday, they, the the game starts then the game starts down. They see this is a different deal. This is a different animal that they're, that they're fixing the deal with. So I'm not looking to OU, but I'm telling you what you can do. If you play like we can play um, the next opponent, whether it's OU or whether it's whoever, the next opponent sees that and they're like, Whoa, this is a different deal. This is a different Texas and uh, not only physically, but also just from an effort standpoint. Hey coach talk about, uh, we kind of mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we
2: talked, but, this season is set up really well for Sark to coach off victories, right? Rice didn't play up to the standard, but then you're going to Bama. You come home, maybe there's going to natural letdown. You don't play up to your standard against Wyoming, then you go on the road against Baylor. Mm-hmm. Obviously, now you can coach up special teams. But to your point, it's a great coaching week for Sark because you said, I, we have to play at home like we've played on the road. If we yeah. want to be the type of team and have the goal and the dreams we have, we have to show the same thing in Austin that we've shown in in Tuscaloosa and Waco. It kind of talk from a coaching perspective. That's a pretty good place to be, right?
3: It's a great place to be, no doubt about it. It's it's a big recruiting weekend, from what I understand. Yes. Now, uh, hey, you know what? We, we got these LED lights. So let's let's <laughs> let's let's make it happen. You know, let's make it happen. We, either that, or let's turn the lights off. You know, right. let, let's play football. Let's be dominant at home. Let's be great. The energy level has got to be just through the roof. And we haven't seen that yet at home. We haven't seen that, that level of execution, level of focus and level of effort at home. And that's what we want to see. Yeah. They can't sleepwalk this week. No,
1: they, they can't afford to, to go in there and, and, uh, and do that. Um You know, and, and I, I will say this uh we also are in a situation and, and Brian, we were just talking about Texas and Steve Sarkeesian 11 and three right now in their last 14 games. That's pretty strong, right? I mean, a like from where, te- where he picked the program up to where it is today, very, very strong. Mm-hmm. But dominating at home, going on the road and being calm and execute, mm-hmm. those are all steps along the road to progress, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you're asking for from Texas right now. Let's take that next step, right?
3: Yes. Yeah, most definitely. Now, from a coach's standpoint, The flip side of that is no matter what happens, respond. There's going to be some bad things happen. There's going to be a lot of bad things happen on Saturday. We know that each Saturday, but especially this Saturday, as talented as Kansas is, there's going to be some bad things happen, things that they do well, things that we don't do well. We've got to also get ready for that from a a mental standpoint. Be ready to respond. Be ready to run to the next situation. Be ready to hold the rope. Let it burn, but don't let go. But but a big part of football is just responding to the bad things that, that are going to happen. You, you got to let your football team know they're coming. They're going to happen. We're going to have a ton of bad things happen on Saturday. We have to respond. What if we get down by 10? What if we get down by 14? How are we going to respond? We still got to win the game. We still got to respond and win the game. So that's why I said, yes, we'd like to get off to a fast start, but it's not imperative. We still have that, that quality that we've already seen that our guys know how to respond. We're big play, we're explosive, uh, and, and we've responded well up through this point in the season. So that's a great championship quality to have. So, yeah, we're asking for the best of both worlds. Be dominant, be great, start fast. But if we don't, just respond like a champion.
1: I want to ask you another question. Coaching issues possibly in Waco right now, coaching issues or whatever's going on in Lubbock right now. You've probably been in that position before where you're, you're talking about holding the rope. How'd you like to be holding the rope in Lubbock right now or in Waco as yeah. a coaching staff? Yeah. How does the coach deal with those kind of scenarios that, that, I mean, I'm flipping it here on you because we've been dealing with Texas. It's four and and everything's going great, but man, what if you're, what if you're Joey McGuire this morning or Dave Aranda?
3: You'll find out real quick whether it's substance or fluff. Um, it, you know, if you're, you're talking the talk or walking the walk. Uh, if you've got your infrastructure and in, do you have your trust? And do the kids really, really trust the coaching staff? Um, do the kids trust the kids? Did you recruit the right guys? Are the kids still believing in that staff? Um, you know, inside those walls, if, if all that's intact. You just keep you keep believing, you keep encouraging. Uh, it's kind of like we talked about last week, you know, your, your, your team's down, you gotta build them up, you gotta encourage them, you gotta say the great things, you gotta, you gotta edify them, you gotta lift them up and stay behind them, you don't throw them under the bus. Remember two years ago when Sark had to do this and he stayed with it, he stayed with it and he, and he didn't throw our guys under the bus to the media. I'm sure he did in between the walls, but not to the media, he, he, he stuck with them, he, he, he gained their trust, and now look where we are. So the, the answer is kind of what Sark did two years ago. You've you got to support and back and defend your guys publicly, but in between the walls, is you're coaching hard, and the only way you can coach hard is to make sure you've established that trust.
1: You mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, Texas' big playability. Um, it's not just Xavier Worthy. Jonathan Brooks has become a big play waiting to happen. I, that may be the big one of the bigger surprises to a lot of people. Even though Jonathan Brooks had a big run last year against Kansas mm-hmm. and has had some other big plays in his career, uh, Ad Mitchell's had a big play. Jonte Cook got in on the action. Jatavian Sanders had a what a fifty yard catch and run.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Texas is has in these big play is is a big play offense now. And it seems like it's coming not just from one or two people. It's not solely reliant on Quinn Ewers. It's a group of guys right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how 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 bad that sounds? And I'm gonna say this: a lot like what KU does with its with its offense. They have a number of weapons, and they distribute the ball out to them. Uh, it, what do you think about Texas and the offensive performance thus far?
3: I think it's been good. Not not. Like great, not like A plus. Uh, we we would like to see more consistency. We we seem to be kind of boom or bust, um, and we've we've had still probably too many three and outs for my liking uh, throughout the season. Uh, we want to cut down those three and outs. Not that you're going to score every possession, but at least get a first down or two, advance the ball. Now you got a great punter. You got a great punter. Get a couple first downs. Get it close to midfield. Punt the ball. And now you got a chance to pin that opponent inside the 10. Now your defense gets to play offense. And that's what our defense reminds me of. Um, I remember Steve Van Meter at Friendswood, you know, in 2003, we get done playing with those guys and he's like, coach, he said, man, you're that defense, they're, they're like, they're playing offense, you know, because they're so aggressive, so, so physical, they can, they can score. And that's the way our defense is. So, The field position game, getting a first down or two is a positive series. It's a positive possession. Pump the ball with our All-American punter, play defense with one of the greatest defenses in the country, and we might score on defense or we might get it back quick. Now we're getting it back at midfield. Now we got a chance to legitimately go down and score and and do it a consistent way. If we hit the explosive, great, we'll take it. But a first down or two is, is also a great possession.
2: Hey, uh, Coach, that brought up a point. One, uh, thank you for reminding me that you smashed my friends with Mustang (laughs) multiple times. Uh, Uh, Van Meter actually played for my dad on the 73 state title team at Friendswood. Great guy. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. Um, But what Bobby said I think is something we've mentioned before, but it would be a great thing to talk about again. For a couple of years, Bobby and I, we've been harping on Texas didn't have enough playmakers. When's the last time you saw Texas with this many playmakers? Because what's making the offense so boom is nobody can double anybody. If you double worthy, ah, that's not a good idea. Dave Veranda said at this press conference on Monday before the game that this is a different team because last year they had one receiver we feared. Yeah. This year I, it was like they have multiple guys we fear.
3: Yeah, I, I don't remember really a time. You know, back when Bob and I were in school there, you know, with Cash Brothers and and we you know had some good players, had some good running backs. Um, you know, not dynamic at the quarterback position, but but good and solid. But no, I I, I don't think I've ever seen a team that's this well rounded. Uh, where you got AD Mitchell and X and JT and, and and Whittington's, you know, still a guy that's that's critical to this offense. And then you throw in Jonathan Brooks and, and our running backs, and uh, I just I just think that we're so well rounded that uh, the hard part is we only got one football. That's you right. know, we got one football. We we got to figure out a way to to shred that thing up and get it in all these guys' hands and keep them hot. And that's the hard thing to do is keep these guys hot. I can see a little bit of that struggle with like A. D. Mitchell, where we're trying to keep him hot. Yeah, you know, we're trying to keep him hot and trying to keep him going. And um, that's a delicate balance there with X and and him and and Witt and and Jay Brooks and JT. So um, getting that ball distributed, keep everybody hot.
0: All right, Coach Irwin. Well, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. as always great insight, and uh, we'll let you get on with the rest of your busy day. And good luck tonight to your to your Crawford team, you Crawford Pirates. <laughs> JV game ain't nothing
1: like it, baby.
3: <laughs> Best football in the world out right there.
1: All right, Three Coach yards Irwin. of a cloud of dust or a lump of mud, whatever it is that day on that field.
3: <laughs> that's right. That's right.
0: Thanks, Mike. Right, right. we'll talk to thank you, buddy. You. All right. All right. All right, guys. Well, we got plenty of questions to get to. Let's do it. And uh we got we're gonna start with some super chats. Bobby, this is a continuation of yesterday's question that kind of got you a little riled up. I, I think love that's why they made it. Uh Texas 0311 says, Who's a better running back, Earl Campbell or Walter Payton? Uh there was no better running back in the game in his prime than Earl
1: Campbell. That's my take now. Longevity, there is no doubt Walter Payton to my to my of, of guys I've seen is as good as, as, as there's ever been. But I'm, I'm telling you, Walter Payton is a great player, maybe may the best running back of all time in some circles. There was no better football player on the planet than Earl Campbell when he was healthy and in his prime and before he had taken too many hits, period. So if you're asking me Who had the best 10-year career? It's Walter Payton. Who had the best three-year run in the history of being a running back? Earl Campbell or Eric Dickerson. To this day, those are the two that had the best three-year runs,
0: in my opinion. All right. Then we have a super chat here from UT Boy. And he just says, family, good morning and hook them. So good morning to you, UT Boy. We appreciate the super chat. Hey, hey, UT Boy, who's the bug? Who's the windshield? I saw his comment earlier. It was pretty much- <laughs> 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 And then this next one, uh, from Freelance Society. Thank you, Freelance. He says, update on as Isaiah Nayor. Oh, uh, that's a great question. I mean, look, Sark has,
1: has said as much that right now Nayor's just behind the other guys. That's that's the reality of it, including Casey Kane right now. Uh I think uh, Nayor needs to needs to step up a little bit. I think he's still bothered a little bit by his injury. Uh, he's somewhat healthy, but not completely healthy. They and they don't feel like they need to rush him back right now. So all of that combined, that's the update. Uh, you know, we'll see exactly where this ends this season. Uh, perhaps he sees more more time in the second half of the of the year or if there's an injury to one of the starters.
0: Well, let's follow that up with this question from Philip Franco. Do y'all see him coming back next year?
2: Uh, if he doesn't play, no. I mean, I, yeah. don't, I don't think it makes much sense. You grad transfer and go somewhere you can get on the
1: field. It, here's the issue. I don't know that he's going to be a grad transfer though, Jerry. And they're and they're really yeah. they're really uh, buckling down on the two time transfer rule. Yeah. So we'll see.
2: Yeah, if uh, he's a, if he's if he is a graduate, he won't be back.
0: Yeah, if he's not playing. I completely agree. All right, guys. Let's see. Andrew DeShazo says, Do you guys feel like Benda and Heel and company have the sideline to sideline speed to keep up with Kansas Daniels and Neil?
2: Yes, because Daniels isn't a sideline to sideline guy. He's not Jalen Milrow. He's more of a running back playing quarterback. He's a more of a weaver guy that takes his time, and sets up his blocks. He's different. Uh Anthony Neal's or sorry, Neil's interesting because. They run a lot of most jet sweep motion with him. They're doing things to get him on the perimeter so he doesn't just run the ball inside and take hits. Um, so that is that's gonna be interesting. Then in the option game, I, I actually think this is a huge game for Benda, Anthony Hill, Jalen Catalan, Jade Barron. They're gonna ask to be they're gonna ask to be do to do things defensively they haven't done to this point this year. And that is even play option. Nobody's run option on Texas this year. So it may take you a little bit of time, a while to get used to. And then Kansas, because they have a dual threat quarterback and because they have they have more weapons, you know, around them, covering the tight ends is a little bit bigger task this
0: week. I, I think that's going to be key for Texas defensively. Before we get to the next one, Bobby, I want to let you tell everybody about our newest sponsors on Thursday right here on Coffee and Football. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's the folks over at uh, Austin Underground. I, I want you guys to know this is a a, a real fan of the Longhorns. Uh, his name's Rick Vavro. He owns Austin Underground, and they have specialized in difficult underground commercial installations, concrete, and otherwise since 2004. His team's engineering background gives Austin Underground the ability to perform work other firms often consider too risky. Rick and his team offer an end-to-end client experience including seamless communication, budgeting, staffing, and top-notch trade partners. And most importantly, they produce solid quality work every time. That's Austin Underground. Uh, Rick Vavro and his guys over there do a terrific job. Uh, A lot of stuff behind the scenes. And I know a lot of people uh, that own businesses and need stuff done in the Austin area uh, may uh, be aware of this company. Uh, get, Get the word out. It's called Austin Underground.
0: Right, we got lots more questions hey, rolling y'all, in. I got
2: some breaking news. Y'all answer these questions for a second, and I'll share it after I post it on Inside Texas.
0: All right, Bobby. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about Daniels because we have lots of questions about him. Um, Corey J says, "Well, Anthony Hill spy Daniels like he did Milro at times during the game, and then Segway champ, Are we going to run a spy against Kansas? I, I think they'll do both. Like that's the thing that Pete Kwiatkowski
1: guys has done. He didn't just run a spy on Milro, right?" And he did more than that. Sometimes he would rush four and try to control the pocket. Sometimes he would have a spy and rush three. I expect the same sort of thing from uh, Pete Kukowski this week. Uh, I really, really do. And um, I will say I also expect them to play a little bit more zone, probably, than they played against uh, 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 Milrow. Or not, not more zone, less zone than they played against Milrow. Uh, Because Daniels is a little bit smarter with the football than Milrow is. So they're going to have to be matched up in coverage, man. And that will create more spy opportunities for guys like Anthony Hill and or David Benda. I mean, Hill and Benda are both fast linebackers. Uh, Jalen Daniels is fast, but he also has a lot of moxie, to Jerry's point, about how he runs. And so that's going to be the matchup. And I... I think they will run a spy at times. I don't think they'll
0: always run a spy, though. And then let's let's stay on the Daniels train for a minute. Derek says, how similar are Daniels and Gabriel at OU? Very different.
1: Very, very different. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is not, while he's a functional runner, he's not necessarily a great runner. He's not necessarily a great scrambler, but he is a pinpoint passer. Daniels uh, is, is just a little bit different. Um, he provides uh multiple threat to you um look i think i think jalen daniels is the first team all big 12 quarterback right now not dylan gabriel and not quinn ewers just to give you all a sense so be be aware of that that's how i mean he's, he's started at kansas now for three years he has their offense on a string like he knows what they're trying to do with every play uh, and that gives them a lot of uh, confidence in what he can do and bring to the table And then this next
0: question, Bobby. uh, I think
1: think this is funny, Blake. We're all waiting for Jerry to put up his head (laughs) and post uh, so we can all learn the breaking news simultaneously. I said hi. I didn't mean a commitment. I'm sorry. I just said hi. I'm back.
2: Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, so um, uh, Solomon Williams is officially visiting this weekend. Okay. Young man out of Tampa, Carolwood Day. Is that right? That's That's big. big. That's big because he's coming in with his mom. Um, look, I was at Carewood day last weekend. I think Texas is probably the favorite there. I think the far, the college of pharmacy is a big deal there. Um, in his recruitment, I think that's why North Carolina was very high on the list early on before Alabama, Texas, Texas, A&M, everybody came in and started offering him. Um, and I know the RPM says Alabama there, they don't have a college of pharmacy. Uh, and, and we'll see if Alabama can get around that to win this recruitment. But, uh, I feel like uh, I feel like Texas is in a, a pretty good spot. Now he's he's scheduled to visit Texas this weekend. A and M's trying to get him uh, for the Alabama game, and Oregon wants to get him back on campus before he makes a decision. We'll see uh, how long this goes, uh, how how many visits he makes. Yes, somebody's asking, his mom Mama come? And that's the only way Solomon's making the official visit to Texas if his mom's coming with him because he wants his mom to be on these visits. She wasn't on the visit. In July, um, and uh, the Texas staff wants the mom to be on campus to see all the things that have led to Solomon having very serious interest in Texas. That's and a big I, I, I love Solomon Williams. I, I, I think this. Would, if Texas can win this deal, I, I think it's a big one. I think he's a really good player. He's got really good DNA. He's a really good fit, um, and he's not even close to scratching the surface.
1: Another guy that they get that gets after the passer. Yeah. Is he? Is he a little bit like Jamon Tapp?
2: Um, you know, I've been thinking about that. You know, he's a legitimate 6'2", 245, 250. I would say he's built like Finkley, but he's a pass rusher athletically with a little more length. But I think he's got the same juice against the run that Finkley has. But I think, so think about Finkley with pass rush, natural pass rush ability. I kind of think that's what you get.
0: Jerry, Ski Break says, does he have a relationship with Colin Simmons?
2: Uh, Not that I know of Um, he, his relationship was with Baron Sorrell when he went on the visit and spent some time with Baron Sorrell um, that he's uh, continued to stay uh, in contact with Baron Sorrell since that visit. And uh, so, and and that's another similar body type by the way, that could be another similar thing, but Williams may have a little more edge quickness to him.
1: That's interesting, Jerry, that you mentioned Baron Sorrell, that, that just shows you guys, we, we talk about this, but it, 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 it goes unnoticed too unnoticed players recruit players. The fact that Baron Sorrell is spending time with the recruit Baron Sorrell has no reason to do that. Right. I mean, he's, he's focused on making it to the NFL about getting his grades, right. About working out, you know, five times a week, making his, his life the way he wants it for him to spend time with a young guy like that, man, that just speak up. That's what you want to hear. Yeah, if you're if you're a Texas fan, there could be nothing more. I don't I don't want to say comforting, encouraging than that. Yeah, because that's that's like you're building something on top of something. That's terrific, Jerry. I didn't know that they they were in contact. Yeah, and 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 uh,
2: Solomon just went into that last week when Keith Niebuhr and I were at Carrollwood Day. Uh, Keith went down there with me because we had him on the uh, on Texas football. It covers Florida, but they have a Florida commitment on a loaded Carrollwood Day team. And uh, we were just we were talking to Solomon, and that's when he kind of brought up that um, that Baron Sorrell and him had stayed in contact. And I'd say this: I think they're two similar personalities. <clears throat> I mean, Baron, very academic-minded kid. That's a talented football player. Was committed to Northwestern at one point in time, right? Backed off of that, then Texas signs him. Um, him and Solomon, I think there's a connection there from an academic-athletic standpoint.
1: Good stuff, Jerry. Uh, Does that make him and DeAndre Carter as the two official visits so far this weekend? Yes, so far
2: this weekend. DeAndre Carter, who spoke with Texas last night and then tweeted out, obviously, that he's making the official visit uh, this weekend. Um, Again, look, been committed to Auburn since September 3rd. Texas never backed off DeAndre Carter. Um, And I would think Auburn's, uh, I'm not saying, I'm not sitting here calling a flip, but you know Auburn's worried about this one because he hasn't been committed a month, and he's taken an official visit with his family this week in the Austin after Brandon Baker committed to Texas. And, they're, and
1: Auburn's not exactly showing much life as now, a program. And I change.
2: think that's the biggest thing. I think if there's a hurdle, Texas will have to uh, get over with DeAndre Carter. Does he see a path to earlier playing time at Auburn than Texas? Because at Texas, you obviously have to have a little patience as an interior offensive lineman right now.
0: All right, while we're talking about edge players, let's take this question from Emmanuel Villafranco. He says, who are our faster straight line speed and lateral quickness edge players?
2: Well, that's a great quick uh, question. Chris Ross was the quickest guy, but obviously he's hurt now. Um, fastest straight line, Bobby, maybe Jamon Tapp. Ethan Burke. Ethan Burke because of his length of stride. He would be. I, I had him as the second quickest to Chris Ross. I think tap may win the 40. I mean, like I saw tap in high school, and I'm just telling you, like when he was he's raw as it all oh, get out in high school, but he went out there and they were messing around after a water break, and he covered a receiver that's now at Auburn uh as a man pressed corner. I sent that tape to you, Bobby. Remember how quick his feet were? I mean, he wasn't gonna win down the field, but I said, Hmm, okay, this guy's got legitimate, like different type of foot quickness. Somebody just said Billy Walton, there's another one.
1: Yeah, I would agree with those. Um, I, I would go with
0: uh, I would go with Ethan Burke on all of them, though, in my opinion. All right. Well, let's talk about the other side of the line. We're going to go over to this question from Shaban Patel. He says, "Hey guys, Christian hey, guys. Jones has played at a high level at right tackle so far. Is he playing well enough to get drafted?"
2: Yeah, uh, Bobby and I, we, we were lucky enough to got got some uh, NFL pre-draft stuff before the season, and he was graded out as a borderline fifth, sixth round pick headed into this season. Can he play his way into a fourth, maybe third? I I could see it. Maybe not third, but fourth. Maybe third if somebody looks at him as a guard, Bobby.
1: Yeah, I think that's where his long-term possibility may be in in the pros. And guards aren't necessarily priority prospects, so they get drafted in that five through seven round unless you're a premium guy, right, Jerry? Um, The answer, though, is this. I mean, twofold. One, um, I'm trying to get uh, in contact with a uh, NFL draft guy that I consider a source to get an update right now wow. on all the Texas players. Um, and so I, I will probably talk to that person either today or tomorrow and probably lay that out next week when I find out wow. so that everybody gets a, an updated draft status of all the guys at Texas, not just Christian Jones. Uh, but it's a great question. And Jerry and I have been talking about this offline, actually, that we need to reach out.
0: And so I reached out earlier this week and hope to talk to him later this week or e- either today or tomorrow. Okay. Not political. Just the realist says, who do y'all think leads us in receiving this week? I want to say JT Sanders, BYU's tight ends had a lot of success against the Jayhawks last week. I'm going to say John Tay hook because I want another super chat from you. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. I'm going to go with a, I, I'm going to go with an odd one here, guys. I think it's AD Mitchell. Um, I think A.D. Mitchell is going to be matched up in a way uh, that is going to be different because Kobe Bryant is going to be on Xavier Worthy, yeah. right? Their, their top corner is going to be on Xavier Worthy. Texas is going to need a lean on A.D. Mitchell this week a little bit. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. I would not also be surprised if uh, Jordan Whittington had his best game as well because they're they're going to try to – look – they're worried. They're, they and rightfully so. They should be worried about Xavier Worthy and 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 Ad Mitchell. Okay, that leaves Jordan Whittington in one-on-one coverage. Uh, all he has to do is break one tackle. That leaves the running backs. The, the linebackers linebacker is going to be preoccupied with the Texas run game. That leaves a guy like Jordan Whittington uh, available. But I actually think it'll be Ad Mitchell uh, with uh, some some di- dialed up plays from Sark.
2: I agree, and I'll tell you why I agree um, with uh, with that on Ad Mitchell and Whittington. After the BYU tight ends were roaming free in Lawrence last week, there's going to be a point of emphasis this week that that can't happen with the Texas tight ends, else they'll score touchdowns. Right, and they're going to leave themselves vulnerable in a different area. Well, y'all, real quick about a receiver, Katie Jordan at Full Street, Katie Jordan. That is Andrew Marsh. He was at the Texas-Wyoming game. I actually just put out a first best-class scenario for 2025. With the understanding we're midway through the high school evaluations this season, Andrew Marsh was definitely on there at wideout. He's one of the three wide receivers I put on there. Uh, he's top 20, 30, 40-type kid in the country. We'll see where the rankings settle in the next uh, few
0: months. Okay, y'all. The answer of Ad Mitchell is going to bring up from the previous question. It's going to bring me to this one. Ryan from Shiner says, "Team question: Is it time to just admit running wide rec- wide receiver oh. screens with Ad Mitchell blocking is dumb? He blows a block every week. I I don't I don't think I don't
1: think it's time to give up on anything on that. So, uh, and I'll say this: Sark needs to keep calling the offense because the more you get the ball in the hands of Uh, Xavier worthy, the better Jordan Whittington. I mean, I look, does AD Mitchell blow a block every week? Yes. You know, what if he gets four or five though, and just gets in the way? I, I I don't, I, I think that downfield blocking is an issue sometimes, but I'm not, I don't expect much, I guess, is my opinion from wide receiver
0: blocking. Like as most people do, that's, that's just my take. All right, let's talk about – go back to Sanders for a minute. Tate Pritchard said, uh, Sanders has the most receiving yards, even with a zero-yard game in there. He's our best offensive weapon, and it's not close. What do you all think about that?
2: Well, uh, Bobby, uh, this goes back to what Jeff Banks said in his preseason fall camp press conference. JT Sanders could have more yards this season without as many receptions, and we have been talking about that on, on Texas Football. Here, I don't think he's the best weapon. Here's what I think, and that's not a slide on JT Sanders. Here's what I think's happening, though, and Dave Aranda said it. We talked to, with Coach Irwin about it. Dave Veranda said we had one wide receiver to worry about last year. When you have to worry about A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, you have Jordan Whittington who's a solid player, Man, running backs who can catch the football, then suddenly the tight end is the hardest guy to match up with because you're leaving yourself vulnerable. I think it's that simple right now.
1: I, th- I think they're just they're just so good uh, on offense, so many different weapons. I, I go back to a play um, on that 95-yard drive that Texas started in the third quarter, uh, and I think the first play uh, was a delayed running back route to Cedric Baxter out of the backfield. You guys don't know what that does to a coach. I mean, Baylor was in too high. They were tr- playing the deep ball. They thought Texas would maybe want to take a shot. Everybody was, everybody was guarded. Everybody was well, well, guarded. they just dumped it down to Cedric Baxman. I he ran for 15 yards. Yeah. That, that's just so hard. I mean, if, so if you can do that, sometimes they keep in Gunner Helm to block like they did and they end up running a screen to him. Steve Sarkeesian has done a masterful job of getting multiple people involved in the offense. I will say this, this offense that Texas is playing this week, most resembles Texas in that regard as then they will get so many different people involved. You won't necessarily know where they're coming from. And that's, that's what Texas tries to do as well. And JT Sanders is part of that for sure. I
0: right, We have a super chat from Derek Wisner and he uh, says, good morning guys. How much of an impact will JT have against Kansas? I got my answer. None if he's returning kickoffs against Trey Wisner.
1: <laughs> okay. None. You know, you know, Trey Weiser wanted to make that play in Waco. Oh yeah. And did you see? Did you see uh, Jelani McDonald, his fellow Waco guy, uh, oh, yeah. tapping him on the head after that, pumping him up. The, the Waco guys were excited about that hit. There's no doubt.
2: <laughs> Ryan Nelson okay. asked, Bobby Jerry, who you got winning the SEC West? I actually think that's an interesting uh, question.
3: you yeah.
2: got. I think I, I, I'm going with LSU if they win this weekend. If they beat Ole Miss, yeah. If they win, if they beat Ole Miss on the road, I'm going with LSU. I just, um, I, I, I don't think Jalen Milroe is going to throw it well enough for Bama to get through. I'm going I'm with, with
0: Alabama. The, I'm going with Bama too.
1: I, I'll tell you why. <laughs> Their defense, it's, it's going get, to keep getting better. Yeah, they've got a real defense, guys, and and that's one of the things that about Texas's offense that just is kind of look. They held. They made. Lane Kiffin looked bad last week. It's hard to do. Yeah. And it's not like Lane Kiffin doesn't have guys. I mean, Keyshawn Judkins is a better running back than anybody at Texas. Jackson Dart is a two or three year starter. Yeah. Um, They have guys and Lane Kiffin is a terrific play caller. Uh, But Alabama is, is their defense has just has some dudes. They can control the front. And I, I actually think they can control the front against uh, the A&M's uh, LSU's of the world. Jimmy Trevino. Great one.
0: Oh, super chat here. He says, what's the new win total through week four. I just wanted to put Bobby on the spot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bobby. You're such a turd. I mean, I, such a, I mean come on, dude. Um, Look, I, I think that prior prior to the season, I felt like Texas was a 10-win 10 10 win team. I do believe that you can adjust that upwards right now. Uh, that being said, I'm not sitting here. I, I want to see the rest of the week. I want to see the next two games for sure um, and go from there. Uh, but I, I do think that they're at least uh, an 11-win team at this point. Uh, but, again, things can happen in football. Um, I – Look, the, the big piece for me, and I don't know. Like I said this in the preseason, right, Jerry and Blake. I don't know what the final number is for Texas, um, but I knew that they were going to win. Uh, I, I knew they were going to be better than they had been in quite a while. Uh, so, look, I, I'm I'm good with uh, I'm good with adjusting it upwards. I don't know how high upwards. That's that's really my my thought process. I could be saying 11 and really be thinking 12 right now. I'll put it that way. And so I don't want to, I don't want to try to overstate it.
2: I, I still, I still say 11 and one regular season. I was at 10, I was at 10 and two. I'm going 11 and one. Um, look, the next two games could push me. Not saying Texas is going to lose one of the next two. Um, but if they come out and if they play at a different level here, the next two, um, but I still think 11 and 1 regular season win the Big 12 titles, where I've adjusted your 12 and 1. That's where I'm at right now.
0: Uh, we got a couple more super chats, guys. Jimmy uh, Trevino followed his last one up and said, Bobby, there ain't no such thing as curses. <laughs> Billy Bob. I, Hey, look, Jerry and I rib each other all the time. So, hey, Jerry, are
1: there any surprise visitors coming to Austin this weekend? No, <laughs> <laughs> let's just knock out one. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there, Jerry. You put me on the spot. I'm going to put you on the spot like that. If somebody super
2: chats that, you're wasting your money.
0: (laughs) I'll tell you that. Uh, We got another super chat from Freelance Society, his second of the day. Thank you again, Freelance. He says, Washington might be the best team. Texas was the last team to hold their offense under 30 points. I think they may be the best offensive team. That Caleb DeVore is pretty
2: damn good now. Oh, one. their
1: stats say they are, I mean, by far and away. I mean, they're averaging something absurd like 13 or 14 yards per attempt on all, on yeah, on a pass. I mean, it's just ridiculous, guys.
3: And, um, and
2: you know what's interesting, Bobby, is can you st- even as good as they are on offense, can they come out unscathed in the Pac-12 this year? I mean, because one of those quarterbacks may get you. You may lose 50-48. The dude may just be uh, unconscious
1: one Saturday. I mean, yeah, no, that's that's that, and that's what I'm worried about. Texas with Jalen Daniels, right? Is that the quarterback goes unconscious? And but yes, uh, I can see Caleb Williams certainly has that capacity out there. Shadur Sanders looks like he has that ability. Uh, Bo Nix uh, at Oregon has that capacity. Uh, they've just got a number of quarterbacks that could go and and just take over, right? Yeah. I mean, the Washington State quarterback, Jerry, at one point last week, Cameron Ward, who the transfer from incarnate Word from uh,
2: High School, by the yeah.
1: way. Okay. Well, listen to this. West Columbia, sorry. You know, you know, one time last week during that game with Oregon State, Oregon State's a ranked team, by the way. He yeah. Was 19 of 20 in the passing game. I mean, that is uncanny how yeah. good that, that is as a quarterback. Yeah. So yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, and I and I do think that Pete Kwiatkowski's got, look, um, Brian mentioned this, and, and I, I think it was uh, Rod Babers that also talked about it, um, about the level of communication going on in the Texas secondary and among the Texas defensive front. And they have taken that a, up a step every single year under Pete Kwiatkowski. So you're really going to have to be smart to outsmart this Texas defense right now you're going to have to just be player on player as opposed to outsmart them. So that that is a big benefit for the longhorns. Hey, by the way, I'm going to, I'm I'm going to
2: be interested to see which university president and athletic director is smart is going to be smart enough to go after Kaylin DeBoer at Washington. That guy was 56 and 1 in his last 57 games in NAI. I don't care. He won three national titles. And he lost one in time in 57 games. He goes to Indiana as the OC, recruits Michael Penix out of Tampa, up to Indiana. He wasn't a highly recruited kid. Up to Indiana, they have their best offensive years since I don't know when. He goes to Fresno, the first COVID year throw out the window. You play five or six games. He wins nine games his first full year at Fresno. He goes to Washington. He wins 11 games in year one at Washington. And now, barring an injury to his quarterback, he's going to win 11 again. That guy has legitimate winners DNA as a head coach.
1: Time for Baylor to back up the truck.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's legitimate winners DNA as a coach, right there. That's that stuff's hard to do that he's done, or and he's forty eight years old.
1: It's interesting because now Washington going to the Big Ten though. It, it Baylor may have more cash in the bank, but Washington has what an eighty thousand seat stadium that's that a they cool fill. Place. Yeah, Bobby, you probably that'd be a hard program to pull for Baylor to pull from, yeah, or, or anywhere
0: else in the Big 12. All right, y'all, we got time for a few more questions here, so let's uh get to those. Daniel Kineman says, Will this be a shootout, or does Texas put Kansas away early? Depends on if Kansas turns the ball over. Oh, interesting. I, I think Texas
2: is going to play better at home than they have, obviously, against Rice or Wyoming. It's a bigger game. It's a great coaching week for Sark to challenge these guys mentally. Hey, man, we haven't played this standard at home. We've played to the standard on the road. I want to see it at home. I want to see it this week before we go to the Cotton Bowl. Show me what you got at home. I think it's a great coaching week. Uh, So I think Texas is going to play at a high level at home. If Kansas turns it over, I think they're in trouble.
0: All right, then our next question here is from Jonathan L. Litvinchuk. Uh, How much of a difference and benefit has it been for the defense to have PK on the sideline during games?
1: You know, that's a great question. Um, I don't know is the answer, though. I mean, yeah, I haven't gotten much feedback on that. Uh, The one thing that Sark likes about it, uh, having heard him talk about this, uh, he likes the fact that look Sark's the offensive guy, right? He likes the defensive guy to be down there with him, yeah, so that they can like actually have, you know, and feel out the situation. And so it has—it certainly uh, hasn't hurt. I'll put it that much, John. I put it that way, Jonathan. But to to quantify that that level, I'm not sure. I think it. I
0: think it helps Sark as much as anything. I will add that. We got another super chat here. This one from Archmania. He says, who wants to hear Bogman Turner Overdrives taking care of business on the loudspeakers at DKR when we smoke tech at home this year? (laughs) I don't know about BTO, but
1: look, uh, Texas needs to go out and take care of business this week and every week at home. Uh, The big one uh, with Texas Tech, I mean, I just I go back to Texas was playing with their backup quarterback in tech. Uh, Texas lost in overtime. Yet, it was like, all of a sudden, Texas monster power or something because of it. I, I didn't get it then, and I don't get it now. Um, yes, it was a big win for them mentally because Texas had said the prior summer that they were going to the SEC. And so it was more of that cathartic win for them. But, I mean, you beat an 8-5 and five Texas team. You didn't beat a 12-1 and one Texas team.
2: I think though the 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 worst thing that could happen is Tech be like four and seven coming into that game. <clears throat> and it might lose a little <clears throat> luster with the Texas fan base a little, not a lot, a little.
1: It, it depends yeah. on what Texas record is going into that. Yeah, because the the, the day after Thanksgiving is a hard pull. Uh, but I will say this: if Texas is ten and uh, one or eleven and 0. <laughs> Oh, the Longhorn fans will be there if that's the case. Yeah, I've been to too many games on. Texas A and M games where I thought uh, Texas is nine and three, A and M seven and five, something like that. Who's going to care? I mean, I don't know it's A and M; it's a different category, but they'll show up if 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 the game if if the if the teams are are
0: right. Okay, y'all. Last question for today, and it's a super chat from Football Junkie. I want to thank him. He says, who are our top five players on offense and top five players on defense in your guys' opinion going into week five? All right, I'm writing this
2: down. On offense, top five players. And I'm not saying in any order. I'm just throwing it off the top of my head. Um, Kelvin Banks. JT Sanders. Xavier Worthy. Quinn based on performance, Jonathan Brooks.
1: I went the same five. I went Quinn Ewers, Jonathan Brooks, Xavier Worthy, Kelvin Banks, JT Sanders. Defense, Jerry. I'm having a hard time with the fifth. So what I think the, four, do you the do? four that are no-brainers are Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Jalen Ford, and Jade Barron. Who do you put as your fifth? I mean, there's there, uh, <laughs> Baron Sorrell is up there. Alfred Collins has been playing well. Uh, David Benda, maybe Ryan Watts, but he's gotten beat a couple times. Jaron Thompson's made picks, but been beat. Maybe Jalen Callan, but he hasn't seen as many snaps. I think there's four, five definites on offense. There's four definites on defense. So we've seen some people say Anthony Hill. Um, we've seen
2: somebody throw Alfred Collins out there because he is playing his role very well. I- I'll say this. I mean, per-snap production, how's Catalan not in there? And
1: how's Anthony Hill on a per-snap production?
2: Right. Those two guys per-snap production, that's like the per capita NFL draft picks, (laughs) right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Per-snap
1: production,
2: those two guys are as high as anybody on the team. But, hey, it's a good problem to have when you literally can – somebody said Ethan Burke's not even mentioned. It's a good place to be when you have nine. If we're talking about – if we can't figure out who the top five are after this week, and then after next week, it's going to be in Texas in serious business. I agree. man. Alfred Collins is playing very well. Stats may not show it. NFL scouts like what they're seeing now. All
0: right, guys. Before we go, Bobby, let everybody know what's coming down the pot today right here on On Texas Football.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've got tail of the Tape coming around noon today. Myself and Paul Wadlington of uh, Inside Texas go uh, talk uh, the Texas-Kansas game and kind of go Texas offense versus Kansas defense. Do the tail of the Tape. Uh, it's a fun little exercise. Uh, Paul also talks about the game against the spread uh, as well. Uh, and then we also uh, have tonight, uh, we've got Gus Johnson, uh, the uh, venerable broadcaster, uh, one of the funnest guys in college sports from a game call perspective. Uh, one of the things he does is actually does a game call. Uh, his One of his favorite game calls uh, is a high school football game he did uh, back in the day. He does that for us. It was pretty funny. We're going to put that up as a short as well. But uh, it was a pleasure visiting him with him yesterday. I did that yesterday and recorded that with Ray Peters uh, as well. And then uh, other than that, we've got a bunch of stuff coming on Inside Texas. Uh, And remember this, at Inside Texas right now, uh, you can get a two-month for $1 special. That's OTF-IT23, OTF-IT23, 10-plus articles a day rolling out right now on InsideTexas.com that are exclusive uh, to Inside Texas subscribers. Uh, Jerry, uh, myself, uh, as well as Eric Naline, Joe Cook, Joe, Justin Wells, Paul Wadlington, uh, and Ian Boyd all on there uh, right now. I do not think there's going to be a football theory tonight because Rod Babers is a new dad. And uh, he had, he could not get that in time. Uh, this week, we we wish him nothing but the best.
2: Somebody asked what I was doing in Gulf Breeze last weekend. I've been in, uh, I've been New Orleans, Saraland, Florida, working. I came back through that area and stayed for the weekend. I went down to Perdido Key, went to Florida, which is an awesome place to watch SEC football. If you never, I'm getting
0: ready for SEC life. Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, we want to thank our sponsors today, Austin Underground and Prize Picks, for sponsoring today's show. And of course, Austin Underground being our new Thursday sponsor. Thank all of you for tuning in. Thanks for the super chats. We definitely appreciate it. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button and then ring the bell so you're notified anytime that we have a video right here on On Texas Football. And for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning.